It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. You're listening to NGSC Sports Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Student of the Game. I am Kyle Nash, the Student of the Game, here with me in studio. The personality, still playing hurt, but still playing well. Weasel Weas! Steven Weasel Hurley, ready to take care of business like he does. He's like, he's like, Why, why'd you leave my mic off again? You did that great buildup, and I, no one got the yeah boy. It's not fair. Weasel words. Yeah, boy. See, that's much better. Yeah, that was, that was This better. is what happens when the host doesn't screw it up. And, and you know, shoot. That's just my fault. I'm sorry, audience. I'm sorry, Weasel. Can, can you ever find it in your noble heart to forgive me? We're good. You're, Move you're, on. <laughs> you're out here playing playing hurt, and I do that to your mic. Anyways, I don't know. Another guy who, though, showing the devotion to the show out in Sumter County, doing his thing, being the local hero, Firefighter extraordinaire, Chris Rankin. What's up, man? Hey, not a whole lot, man. Do another day. You know, before we started the show, I heard something that I haven't heard from from you or any Giants fan in a while, and that's excitement towards the start of a football game. Because somehow or another, the Giants represent the most stable force in the NFC East. How does that feel? Yeah, it feels great. It's about, about time it's been a couple years since they've been like that. But Yeah, another thing that's been know. a couple years since, your team is the one in the studio that's performing the best right now. I'm just <laughs> – I'm not counting the Steelers because technically they're your second team. I'm going by your primary team, Weasel. So before before you, you counter with the Steelers – actually, he could say that, that, you know, I mean, I don't have two teams, so I can't say this, but his two teams combined could be arguably doing – as good as yours, man. I don't know. This is getting confusing. Let's move on from that. You know, something quickly I want to touch on. Yeah, I know it's college football, but did anybody see the ending of the Michigan-Michigan State game? <laughs> oh. Yeah. That's <laughs> Weasel, terrible. Weasel laughs and then says that's terrible. This, this is why I have you, man, because that's both extremes of emotion that you could get from that. If you were Sparty, ha, is appropriate. And if you're Michigan, yeah, that's terrible kind of the start to what you should be feeling. I, I, I get that. I get that. I don't know. But, uh, Chris, did you see the end of that game, Michigan-Michigan State? Yeah, I did. And it's, it's funny because, I mean, with that punter, when you drop the ball, you got to look at where you are on the field, how much time is left on the clock. If you were to just take the ball and just got sacked right there, there was like 10, not even 10 seconds left, Seven. and the ball was at the 40. Yeah. Seven so they still have to move the ball up a little bit in order to kick a field goal to try to tie the game. Yeah. It, but, I mean, it's just the whole, like, you've been playing since you're, like, eight years old, and you know the rules, all this stuff, and you got to just feel like where, you, where you are on the field and not trying to put the ball away after you drop it when you have, like, eight guys in front of you. you just got to pick it up and just hold on to it. Yeah, absolutely. I'm not even a Michigan fan, and, and, and I watched that. Actually, Weasel was with me when I saw it the first time, and I was like, what? I think. Like, go ahead. Uh, I was just gonna say that. Uh, I I don't know if like uh, if, uh, college teams or even NFL teams 
if they have uh, situational uh, uh, occurrences where things can go wrong, and what do you do? Because in that instance, the guy, um, he's t- he clearly freaked out. He's like, oh, yeah. he, I think the ball went to his, about his knees when the punter was trying to catch it. He, he missed it. It bounced, and then he grabbed the football, and uh, being like situational awareness would say, jump on the ball or do something like that. But Fall he down, just – go fetal. It wasn't like he tried to – he could have maybe thrown it away or something. Then he would have got that yardage back. But it's just that he tried to kick the ball with like – Three guys in his face. Yeah, and right in his face. Yeah. I see so, but the thing is, is yeah, people uh, sitting at the comfort of their homes can say he should have did this, he should have did that, which is you know, is ideal. But when some when the the crap hits the fan and something like that happens, <laughs> when the hits the fan. um, you know, he panicked. So, uh, but um, I hope they like practice uh, situations like that yeah well and, and uh, you mentioned the the pros i mean uh belichick and the patriots are are are, are cited for situational practices practicing all the time it does exist i don't know that harbaugh's practices are run that way but my my dad being a punter in his day um 101 is not to try to kick the ball if there's no hope but, you know, I, I mean, it's easy to panic. It's the Paul Bunyan trophy game, all this other stuff. And uh, I'll say this. Michigan went from having a shot at a playoff spot <clears throat> where they to beat Ohio State to now being spoiler only. So, you know, that it's it's just that that's football is how one play that shouldn't go a particular way changes the course of your entire season. Not a problem in baseball where they got 162 without playoffs. Just saying. Anyways, enough about that. Let's go ahead and get into it. A lot of surprises this week, and we're going to open with one that happened last Thursday to start off the NFL's week. I'm going to say week six because I almost said it wrong. I almost said seven, but it's six. Anyways, week six. Weasel, Thursday night, go. The Falcons entered this game undefeated at 5 and 0. They left New Orleans 5 and 1. As Oops. the Falcons lost to the Saints 31 to 21. Late in the first quarter, Saints did jump to a 14 to zip lead after the Saints blocked a punt. They recovered the ball and they took it to the end zone for the touchdown. The the difference in the game for me, momentum changer, big thing in point differential, huge play was that. It was that uh, trifecta that made it, you know, so much worse for the uh, for the Falcons. Block, recover, score. Exactly. So, mid-second quarter, Falcons rookie running back Tevin Coleman. Tevon Coleman. Lost a fumble in the red zone. Uh, the Falcons had another red zone turnover with only two minutes remaining in the half. It was a bad snap that was recovered by the Saints. It look, kind of looked like the center snapped it right onto his bottom. <laughs> and no, nah, well, the thing is, is <laughs> the thing is, I think he was, uh, he thought that maybe. Matt Ryan was uh, taking the snap under center. Right. That's the only thing I can think of. And, and, and it's happened before. So uh, Matt Ryan did finish 30 of 44, 295 yards, and two touchdowns. Late Not the, a bad performance. I yeah, agree, yeah. Pretty good. Leading the third quarter. And you got to remember, that, that was the center's first game playing center this year also. So, I mean, he's filling in for injured centers. So. Yeah. Big money stat by Chris. Boom. Yeah. So, but uh, – uh, late in the third quarter, though, the Saints went for it on a fourth and goal at the two, and Breeze made a touchdown pass to uh, veteran 
tight end Ben Watson. So Wait, we, not Jimmy Graham? Oh, right. Yeah. Right. Hey, other guys can do it too. <laughs> uh, to widen the, the Saints league to 24-7, Watson had 10 catches, 127 yards, and a touchdown. Getting busy. It's been a while since he had numbers that like that. but Yeah, I mean, this is a guy who's basically in the twilight of his career. And, and the lack of defense that I've cited constantly, I think you guys have joined me in that, is made proof positive that a guy with as many years as Ben Watson is doing what he did in that game. Simply put. Yeah. Uh, Breeze was uh, actually 30 of 39, 312 yards and a touchdown. You got with Saints running back Mark Ingram, 20 rushes for 46 yards and two touchdowns. Mid-fourth quarter, he had a touchdown that put the game out of reach at 31 to 14. One of the most productive running backs in the NFL, Falcons' Devonta Freeman. Devonta Freeman. He had eh, only 13 carries for 100 yards and a touchdown. But he also had eight receptions for 56 yards and a touchdown. That's some clock punching. Uh, that's fantasy points. I know we don't talk about fantasy on this show, but when you have a running back that does both, pretty good. He is, he's racking up the touchdowns this season. Uh, both of those were in the fourth quarter. You also have uh, Falcons wide receiver Julio Julio Jones. I fixed it. I fixed <laughs> Julio? myself. I did, I did fix it to Julio. Oh, no, see, that's Julio Jones. His performance is shining so bright this year, you called him a jewel, EO. Yeah, that's... Save now. No, no, no. It was his... He was like a jewel for the first, like, four weeks or so. But, ah, ah, ah. It's like for fantasy football, you just need a little more there. So uh, uh, we got two things here. The Falcons overrated and are the Saints legit? So I think I can take myself out of this conversation quickly by saying I've been saying the Falcons are overrated for weeks now. Chris, where do you fall? Um, yeah, they've been, they've been lucky in some games. Um, Any game in particular you know, you'd I, like to cite, Giants fan? <laughs> yeah, and, and a, couple, a couple other games too, but... Um, you know, the defense has been playing pretty well. Just in this game, they didn't do as good with uh, Dan Quinn, Dan you know, his Quinn. style, how they have played recently. But uh, overrated, yeah, they really haven't played much, many people either. So, I mean, yeah, I guess you can say that. So you just said their schedule is weak, even though it includes the Giants. Is that pretty much what I just heard you say? Well, it, yeah, it was the NFC. They played the NFC East. So, I mean, they beat the, the Eagles also. They beat the Eagles. They beat the Cowboys without Romo or Des Bryant. Without and Romo really, or Des Bryant. And really should so, have I mean, lost that gotta, game. They beat the Texans and they beat the Skins. So, oh, I mean, the only wins they've had against is all of the NFC East and then the Texans. And, and they needed overtime, by the way, to beat the Skins. Let's make sure that's clear. I'm just saying. Right. I mean, because I, I, I was watching that game because I picked them for my survivor pool to beat the Redskins. I'm like, look, I know the Dirty Birds are pretenders too, but I should be safe. There is no reason for me to be having heart palpitations watching that game. I think that's proof that they're 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 not legit. I mean, right, Weasel? I can, I agree. Okay, fair enough. Now, can anybody tell me where the Saints came from? What galaxy this is that they scored 31 points in the game after giving up that many to the Eagles and like scoring like Less than 10, I believe it was. I, I, I get it. Now, actually, if you ask me, in this game, the Saints getting five sacks of one Matt Ryan. Huge. I didn't think the Saints would get five sacks in one half of the season, let alone a single game. But, you know, I don't know. 
Does anybody see anything that impresses you about the Saints? Does anybody know how they got that many points? Or is the Falcons defense just that bad? I guess that's the pop quiz. Weasel, let me start with you on that. I, I think the uh, the running game for the Saints, uh, um, it was expected that I think it was uh, C.J. Spiller was supposed to be a big part of the offense. C.J. Spiller, yeah. But the thing about uh, Mark Ingram is, is the, guy, the guy's producing. He's getting some touchdowns. He's got the yardage. And, uh, he does do well in short, short yardage. I, I get the two touchdowns, but 20 for 46 doesn't impress me necessarily as production. And I, I don't exactly have the uh, the measurements for uh, for one Ben Watson. Yes. But uh, uh, he had a red zone target, uh, Jimmy Graham, uh, and the guy was, I think, 6'7", uh, 265 ben pounds Watson, or so. not as tall as Jimmy Not Graham. as tall as all, but <laughs> – and, I mean, there's other wide receivers. I mean, he's uh, – uh, it's looking a lot better for the Saints now. So interesting, interesting, Chris. Well, yeah, I was gonna say, well, what what the Saints have done this game than they did what they haven't the last few games is target their tight ends. I mean, when you Ben Watson had going over a hundred yards receiving in this game, and then also, I mean, you got backup of the other tight end, Josh Hill, putting in thirty-eight yards as well. I mean, that's. 165 yards to your tight ends there. I mean, that's what they used to do a lot with the Saints with Jimmy Graham there. Say, um, that sounds then, like more than half their know, passing yards. <laughs> right. So, I mean, I, I can see how they can go this way. They went back to the old way of doing it, you know, hitting, hitting the receiver, hitting their tight ends. Um, but really, I mean, they're they're underutilizing C.J. Spiller. They're just trying to keep him healthy. But I, I right. thought they were going to start using him as like a, um, Darren Sproles or Reggie Bush, like they used to do all the time. You know, just a couple of runs here and there and dump try to dump passes out of the back. Um, I mean, what do you only have seven touches? Well, I'll put it this way: You remember what when Reggie Bush was a rookie years and years and years and years back, um, and for the first half of the season, that, I think they may have given him the ball like once. And they just put him back there to spread it out for everybody else. So, yeah, he may have gotten fewer than 10 touches and all that in the interest of trying to keep him safe. But they put him on the field to make the defenses think about it. That is that is a Sean Payton move. That, that makes perfect sense that that occurs. You know what I mean? Right. So, I don't know. That's where I'm at. Basically, the Falcons are overrated. And Chris believes, and I may think it makes sense, I think Weasel agrees too, that going back to the roots – of using the tight end in the offense makes a difference. Of course, like I said, didn't hurt that they sacked Matt Ryan five times. I don't know that the Saints will get five sacks in the next three games, let alone another five-sack performance. I'm just saying. Speaking of things that no one expected, so we've been hearing about this from Patriots fans ever since Deflategate. Oh, my God, total revenge game. Forget about the fact that Tom Brady didn't have actually served a punishment yeah, 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 whatever, blah, blah, Patriots are cheaters, yeah, whatever. So we're all expecting this whooping, and the Pats overwhelmed the Colts by a whole touchdown. Yes. Weasel's like, meh. 34 for 20 uh, uh, to 27, the Pats did win. Concerned, now, I, I, I get that Brady threw a pick six, and I'm not going to make a big deal about that because, in fairness, he was throwing to Julian Edelman who hurt his finger. I think he, um, I don't think he broke it, but he at least, you know, sprained it, messed it up, jammed it, whatever. And uh, it, looked, it looked pretty broken to me. Yeah. Look, it, it looked freaky. I, I didn't, I didn't know if the prognosis, maybe it was broken. I don't know. I didn't hear what the prognosis was. 
but I can say it, it, it was a factor in Mike Adams picking him off for the third time in his career. Um, and then he took it back to the house. Then, on a call I hated, the Patriots, check that, the Colts go for an onside kick. They recover it. But apparently now if you're an O-lineman and your tummy is on top of the ball, that's considered possession. And so the Pats retain the ball. But the thing that really killed this game for me wasn't anything Tom Brady did. Granted, he broke 300 yards, had three touchdowns and an interception. And it wasn't Andrew Luck's performance that was a problem for the Colts. 30 for 50. Good God. With a bad shoulder, too, I might add. 312 for three touchdowns. And it was... (laughs) So, the Colts attempted a fake punt, which is fine. But they come to the field with receiver Griff Whalen and safety Colt Anderson being the only two in the middle uh, in the middle of the field. Griff Whalen lines up as the center with Colt Anderson looking to take the snap. The other 10 players shift to the right side of the field. Now, okay, you're trying to catch the Patriots offside or off guard or do something, you know, with trickeration. If you're going to try to do something tricky with the alignment of your line, I don't think this is the team you want to pick, considering what they did in the playoffs to the Ravens, using guys checking in as eligible. I mean, right? They're they're versed here. They know the rules on the line. Okay? There's mistake number one. Mistake number two is, because they were unfaltered, five guys stayed in the middle of the field. So that means it's uh, Waylon and Anderson versus the five guys standing in front of them. And they still snap the bleeping ball. And I think he was he was pretty much close under center too. So it's kind of kind of weird that you would do that snap, and the two Patriots guys that were right over him they just barged right in and got him. It's like yeah, it's a juggernaut. It's like uh, yeah. yeah, that didn't really work how they planned. But the crowning achievement, on top of all that, forget the field position given the Patriots and all that, they go to the trouble to do this fancy formation and don't even get it right. They get flagged, uh, penalties de- decline. Patriots go down the field and score, and virtually the end of the game. Now, granted, like I said, the Colts did close it to a single score, but with those two breaks handed to the Patriots that both led to points, I might add, I'm supposed to be impressed with this Patriots team in this alleged revenge game. Nah, I'm good. Being said, of course, the Pats are still going to be a force to be reckoned with. I mean, they got a very sound offense. Gronk is... is uh important to the Patriots' success on offense as Tom Brady or Julian Edelman. But I'll put it this way. I know the Steelers played them in week one. Weasel, tell me if you agree. The Steelers played the Pats in week one. I think we would see a much better game in week 11 between these two teams. Yeah, I think uh, one thing that the Steelers' uh, defense that uh, they didn't have for the past, they've had for the past, I guess, 15 years or so, is they had uh, Dick LeBeau. And uh, as the <laughs> defensive coordinator, and I mean, that guy is, I mean, he's constant and uh, um, he gets, I mean, top five team, top five defenses, like mostly in most of his years. So, but uh, uh, without him, this, the, the defense just kind of looked kind of lost against the Patriots. In that first week. And uh, I think uh, some of it was um, Gronk uh, going to the outside. Splitting out. And splitting out. And I think a linebacker follows him for like one-on-one kind of coverage. And it's like, 
what are you doing type thing. So. Well, and you're talking about when they actually thought to cover him. I mean, I don't want to get too much in the Steelers now because they did plenty of stuff we have to talk about later in the week. But I think a lot of that was first week jitters. That's the point I made. Yeah, if they yeah. played the Steelers in week 11, they have Roethlisberger. This defense is playing like it's playing. Yeah, yep. I don't know. Yeah. Everybody, everybody's better for it, and I think Weasel agrees. Weasel, Weasel. Yeah, boy. <laughs> Anyways. Next game on the list, the Dolphins with their new coach, Dan Campbell, take on the Tennessee Titans. Oh, what fun it is to ride. Not really. This is my game, isn't it? Take it. Yes, it is. I'm saying that with a lament because it was honestly a boring game until you realize the anomalies that take place. The Dolphins won 38-10. That's surprising enough. But then they scored two rushing touchdowns? Da heck? Lamar Miller, 19 for 113 on the ground with a touchdown. Compared to the Saints running attack, 18 for 63. Wait a minute. Let me get this straight. The Miami Dolphins ran for over 100 yards as a team and held their opponent to less than 100? Say, that sounds like improvement. Hmm. Now, I was a guy that said I wasn't a fan of the Philbin firing. But right now, I can't argue, can I? I mean, shoot. I mean, uh, Rashard Matthews, again, the top receiver uh, for the uh, Dolphins in yards, but Deion Sims and Jordan Cameron both contributed touchdowns. I mean, at the end of the day, the Titans just did not have enough uh, in total offense. Uh, Mariota also threw a pick six. Um, He left the game early where there was a Zach Mettenberger sighting. But uh, before he left, Mariota had a touchdown as well as the two picks for 219 yards and 21 of 33 on the day. Mari- uh, Tannehill, 22 for 29, 266, two touchdowns, did have two picks. Neither performance particularly great, but Mariota did leave the game early. Uh, sprained MCL appears to be the prognosis for that. Um, go ahead, Weasel. Okay, so about that uh, that sprained MCL. You got uh, – Ndamukong Sue was brought in uh, to, I guess one thing is, as good as he's, he, maybe he was, a uh, dominating force with the Lions. Dang. And, uh, <laughs> but I think uh, he, Ndamukong Sue, I think at times he, uh, he does have some dirty plays. And even after the play, he does some uh, um, extracurricular stuff. Okay. But uh, for this one play, it was... Uh, the, and this is where Mariota gets hit, right? Yes. I okay. think what um, one Oliver um, Vernon was a – he's a defensive lineman for the, the Dolphins. Dolphins. Right. I think he learned from – I think uh, Sue may have uh, gave him some pointers okay. because uh, uh, Marcus inside, Mariota – Inside information. <laughs> well, the thing was is Mariota was back to pass, and you have uh, Vernon that goes kind of right for his legs. And so – his knee bent back, and now he has a grade two MCL sprain. Right. Well, and they're saying ask, three to four weeks recovery. Right. And let me ask you, because I haven't seen, I, I saw the play when it happened, but I haven't seen replays or anything of it. Do you, I mean, did you feel like there was intent there? I know that uh, on ESPN, Ron Jaworski's, you know, calling for uh, the National Guard to get involved or whatever. But um, did you feel like this was an intentional dive at the quarterback's legs? From uh, from the angles that I see. Um, What's going on is that I don't know if the guy was stumbling. I don't think he was pushed. Right. But um, right when uh, after Mariota throws the pass, um, you see a defender. He's coming, and he's very, very low. 
And so he goes and he takes takes out the guy. It just looks like he took out the guy's knees. And I mean, you have like a possible rookie of the year um, now that yeah. he's going to miss about three to four weeks. And I don't know if the uh, I don't know if the refs called a penalty on it or they anything like that. They did not. But one thing that the refs would call well, they, they, they did they did call a penalty. They called roughing the passer. Oh, they did. Excuse me, I didn't think they did. Okay, that's they, my they did call it, and uh, he he dove he dove towards the legs, but he dove before the ball was released out of his hand. But he hit him low, and they called it they called it roughing the passer. And, but one thing, one thing about that pass was that uh, um, after he threw it, of course, the guy was uh, coming low. If you have a defensive lineman and he's getting cut blocked, right. I guess uh, when you're, I guess when you're engaged in a block, and you well, can't that's a chop block, not a cut. Well, when you have a defender coming, um, I think linemen are kind of uh, protected, quote unquote, when if they're engaged and someone comes and tries to take out their knees, right? right that's a chop block. That's a chop block, yeah. So. The thing is, is Mariota was in the motion of a pass, and so you can call that a defenseless uh, kind of stance, you could say. Uh, let's but he, not use that term, but I see what you're getting at. It's just, well, the thing is, is the guy's the guy's throwing, and anybody's free to take out the legs and stuff, but yes, he got the penalty, but the thing was, is I think it was kind of dirty. So. Well, um, so here's the thing. The protections are in place. Both plays are considered illegal and, and, and not done, uh, not to be done. Um, are, uh, how, how, what? Okay, so if this is indeed a dirty play, and I'm not saying it was or wasn't, like I said, I haven't seen it enough, but what do you do to solve this problem? How do you solve for this? Do you suspend people? Do you find people for this? I mean, what? Uh, it's it's tough proving, like, you know, intent and all, but Correct. Uh, it's just the, you know, it's the kind of it's the kind of play that, um, I think a defensive lineman or kind of a with a dirty uh, you know mindset and stuff. Um, the thing is, is he's like, okay, um, I take someone out, out someone's legs, I get fined twenty thousand. Their quarterback is now do- now gone for three to four weeks. It's okay. like well, big deal. I mean, first of all, <laughs> I, I see why you're doing it, but we can't find. Uh, is it Oliver Vernon or Vernon Oliver? It's a uh, uh, Vernon was his last name. Oliver Vernon. Oliver Vernon. We can't find him by association just because he happens to be in Dominican Sue's teammate now. I understand why you feel that way, Weasel. That was that was partly a little sarcastic. I, I know. See, this is this is keeping the joke rolling. I'm with you, Weasel Wee. Yeah, boy. <laughs> but I mean, Chris. I mean, you used to go in the trenches, you know, yourself. I, 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 is there anything you can really do to prevent this from happening? No, you can't. I mean, there's there's already the the penalty for you know roughing the passers already in there. Even if the quarterback has the ball or I mean is low, you can't go low on a quarterback. That rule was put in a few years ago. Right. So you know, so I mean, he was going low. He was diving. He did dive low. Uh, cheap shot. You don't know. I think he was just because he just came away from a tackle. I think he was just trying to get to the quarterback, and he dove before the ball was released out of Mariota's hand. It's just he hit him low at, right after the ball was released, and they called a they called roughing the passer on it. Um, stupid, stupid play by him because I mean I was on a third down. Yeah. But I mean he had his down. He he wasn't paying attention to what he was doing. Well, I mean, what if it results in a sack? Because if it did, would they have called this? I don't think so. And and he he made the lunge before the ball was out. Can we really call that a stupid play? I think this is no, just kind I don't, of a timing thing. I don't think you can. Yeah, so I, I'll put it this way. This is one of those things, 
I, I appreciate that it got flagged. I thought it didn't, so that's my mistake completely. I, hey, the NFL reps got one right. I'll give them credit. Um, but I, it's tough. It's a tough situation. I mean, nobody wants to see a quarterback go down, um, you know, even if it is, you know, uh, I, I don't know. It's a tough situation. It's a tough situation. We'll leave it at that. But anyways, so make note, gentlemen, when we're in the study hall, that apparently the Dolphins can suddenly run the football. And he did it on a Dick LeBeau defense because he's with the Titans. That just feels wrong saying that. Anyways, something else that feels anyway, wrong. Anyway, about, about, about the Dolphins defense on this one? Yes. Now, they are ranked 31st in the um, – league right now with averaging giving up 141 yards on the ground. We'll say as of week five. Yes. You know, as of actually right now, they're averaging still 141 yards as of, as of week six. Because <laughs> the stats are already updated and they only give up 63. So, I mean, really, what a, what a big difference in just the change in the coaching staff. I mean, you can do the conspiracy theory that always Weasel is always with, you know, with um, – Kelvin Benjamin, you know how he slowed down his thing, you know, you know his forty time, so he'd go to the Panthers. You can do a conspiracy theory here about the players wanting to get rid of Philbin and they didn't want to play, and then now, now look at that turnaround one under Dan Campbell. Dolphins players, did you did you conspire to fire Joe Philbin? Don't lie to me. I know what happened. You can't handle the truth. Exactly. A, a lot of the the defense uh, Sue included. Uh, a lot of the defense were calling for getting rid, of, pretty much getting rid of the defensive coordinator. Coyle, yeah. Because yeah, he because uh, um, I think a lot of blame, like especially like uh, also with the offense with the uh, with Philbin, uh, uh, Lamar Miller was he was pretty terrible. I mean, it's like uh, the first five games he just um, well I'm a little bitter because he was on my fantasy. Yes. He still is on my team. He but is now, right? Oh, it's just Lamar, welcome home. They weren't utilizing him enough and stuff like that, and then bam, he. He has a breakout game, so. By the way, um, for the first few weeks, he was pretty terrible. Brilliant analysis, Weasel. <laughs> no, but you're right. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just saying something silly. Uh, speaking of other things that were silly, the Texans and the Jags played each other. Chris? In an AFC South Division matchup, the Texans beat the Jags 31-20 for their second win of the season. The Jags were without rookie running back T.J. Yeldon for the game, and it showed as QB Blake Bortles was the leading rusher for the Jags with 37 yards. Last week I mentioned how the defense missed Paul Pavlosny. Well, he was back and held the Texans to the 30, 95 yards on the ground, but there was one player the Jags could not stop, and that is DeAndre Hopkins. He had 10 catches for 148 yards and two touchdowns. Hopkins leads the league in yards with 726, yards per game 121, First downs with 42, and his second in receptions with 52. So I guess the uh, getting rid of uh, Andre Johnson. I guess that they had some uh, they had some confidence in one uh, DeAndre Hopkins. Well, I know the Colts don't. He had three drops against the Pats last night. So hey, there you go. Well, hey, they keep going to him. We have someone on this panel that knew we would be a breakout star, right, Chris? I'm just saying. Yeah, I mean, I mean, with his college career there, I mean, he stepped up the year that Sammy Watkins was suspended. Um, stepped up, and he, that's why he left school early. I mean, you got to look at um, Hopkins, Watkins, and um, Martavius Bryant. I think all three of them went to Clemson. 
Hopkins, Watkins, and Bryant. That sounds like some sort of a law firm. But anyways, Chris. <laughs> All right, Brian Hoyer did enough for the Texans. He was 24 for 36 for 293 yards and three touchdowns. But more importantly, no INTs. Lake Bortles had another good stat line, 30 for 53, 331 yards with three touchdowns. It was a pretty good set, except he threw three INTs. One of them was a pick six. Oh. His first line... His first INT came at the goal line right before half, down 14 to 10. Uh, his pick six made it 31 to 14 in the fourth quarter, and then his third INT came on their last drive as he was picked off inside the five-yard line. Oh boy! Uh, Allen, Allen Robinson, Allen Hearns, and tight end Julius Thomas each had a touchdown catch for the Jags. Point Arian for Foster Weasel. also had a touchdown catch for the Texans. So, hey, Weasel Weasel holding off using the Julius Thomas action in fantasy to pay off later. I know we don't talk fantasy on this show, but Weasel, great football mind. Yeah, so, uh, I mean, right now it's uh, the Jags do have a, a pretty good uh, like wide receiver core and the, and the tight end. It's like uh, um, Bortles is, I mean, he's what the, uh, the Jags wanted, and he's performing now. So, got to cut down those INTs, but, I mean, who would expect, like, um, Hearns, you have uh, Robinson. Hearns, Robinson. Wasn't Thomas. exactly a yeah. a uh, uh, popular names. So, but people hear him now. They will be one day, right? Hey, at, well, at right point, now they're a lot of they're producing. So, at one point in Jacksonville lore, nobody knew who Jimmy Smith and Keaton McCardo were, and then they went fourteen and two, one game short of the uh, of the um, Super Bowl. Yep. Or was it two games short? One game short. I think it was it was one. I'm I was pretty right. sure. Okay. Second year in the uh, franchise's history, I might add. Skins Jets, Chris. All right, Thanksgiving is next month, but both teams are in a giving mood. The Jets turned the ball over three times in the first half, including the first play of their opening drive on the Eric Decker fumble. The Redskins would come away with a touchdown on their next series, and all of their first half points which were 13, came from the three Jets' turnovers and as they took a 13-10 halftime lead. In the second half, it was the Redskins that were given back as Kirk Cousins threw two interceptions, and the Jets would capitalize by scoring two touchdowns from them on their way to a 34-20 victory. The Jets improved to 4-1 and one as the Skins fall to 2-4. and four. Kirk Cousins was 25-43, 196 yards with a touchdown, two INTs, Ryan Fitzpatrick ended 19 of 26 for 253 yards and two touchdowns and an interception. The interception was actually a nice um, catch by cornerback Bashard Breland as he was diving for the ball. Uh, Marshall kind of dove for it too. It was on the inside and it kind of went off Marshall's hands and he, the cornerback uh, Breland intercepted it. In fact, Breland recovered both fumbles as well as he took one ball away from. Brandon Marshall right out of his hands, and then the other one, um, he recovered the Eric Decker fumble. Busy day. Yeah, so, you know, we've been surprised at how well the Skins defense is doing this year, but not in this game. As you give up an 18-yard touchdown run to Ryan Fitzpatrick. Wah, wah. <laughs> I mean, you give it up 18-yard touchdown to Ryan Fitzpatrick, you got some issues on defense. Well, I mean, Ryan Fitzpatrick's stat line has three touchdowns in it. That's one. Lo- that's one indication as well. Um, I'll put. I'll tell you, Chris. The way I had uh, my the point of view I had is, you know, the Jets even had more turnovers in this game, but the Skins' lack of balance on offense 
I think is a factor too. 17 carries total for 24 yards. Not exactly a great performance by any running offense, I'm willing to say. Right. And I mean, that Jets, they ran the ball. They had 221 yards on the ground. Chris Ivory had 146 of them with a touchdown, while Fitzpatrick ended with 31. Um, like you said, the Redskins, they, you know, they had 34 yards, they had two yards of carry. So their running offense is non existent last couple of games. Uh, but the bright note for the Redskins was Pierre Garcon <laughs> had a touchdown catch. Uh, Brandon Marshall had seven for 111 with a touchdown. Uh, the touchdown came from a shoelace grab, and then he stiffed arm the defender and took it in. This is and Eric a... Decker had 59 yards receiving on four catches with a touchdown. I mean, difference in the game, really, Jet poured on the yards. They had 474 to 225 for the Skins. And also the red zone, the Jets were three for four, as the Skins were one for three. A lot going on there. I mean... <laughs> Look, let's just put it this way. The Skins just have a whole lot of things to fix. Um, I'm just hoping that Jay Gruden doesn't end up being the sacrificial lamb. I'm curious to see what will happen in the uh, between him and the RG3 drama, so to speak. All the drama there. Um, okay. Yeah, I'll put it that way. Pop quiz, gentlemen. Chris, you first. RG3... His next team is where? Oh, um, that's a tough one. This ain't softball. <laughs> yeah, I don't. You know, I don't. I don't know where his next team would be. I gotta think. Um, Weasley, you got a you got a guess? Got uh, okay, I got the teams in front of me. Uh, give me a sec. Wow, I got both y'all. Okay, so while y'all are thinking... Houston? Houston. Interesting. I can't say that's a bad plan. It's. I think uh, mostly he needs to go to a team. I don't think Houston would be good because uh, um, he needs to go to a team where he could sit for like a year or two. And uh, wow. they, I think they should have a they should have a offense. They should have a decent offensive line. And uh, I think you're going to have a starter. Like, you're going to have someone... I mean, Phillip Rivers is getting a little bit up there in age. But uh, he did have, a, I know, 500 yards and stuff. There's that. But he, he is aging. I think yeah, I mean, that has nothing to do with it. A team with a established quarterback that's uh, in his later years and uh, and someone that's going to – you try to like construct him because uh, he needs to be more of a pocket passer because running all around is, is not good for him. So uh, two things would be veteran and uh, sitting time. So I'll throw one out there. Uh, how about the Denver Broncos? Da, da, da. Broncos could, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I think I think that's a that's a good choice because Manning, um, they have behind him they have Brock Osweiler. Brock, he's like Osweiler. A, I think he's like six eight or something. He's like uh, uh, ridiculously tall and stuff. But uh, also um, the star of many action films or will be one day. <laughs> I think all it's going to depend on him going to Denver is is Brock Osweiler. Is he the future? Well, if, if not, if you look can't around. If you out Brock Osweiler, you should probably retire well, anyway. I they drafted know. him about like, three, four years ago. Yeah. And he was, a, I believe, a second-round pick. So I believe so. So uh, it's kind of saying, uh, you know, we we kind of uh, are depending on you uh, uh, later on. So we'll see. Kind of like another quarterback that popped up this week. But more on that later. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll, just, I'll just compare it to this. Uh you have Joe Flacco established with the Ravens. 
Uh, then you have a guy. Him. It's a Tyrod Taylor was sitting there. Tyrod Taylor. He was. I think he sat. I think on the bench it was a three four years. Something like that. He's a mobile quarterback. The guy can run, pass. He's a. You know he he can get the fantasy points. He can get the the big stats. But uh, I think teams are going to try to do that where they get a developmental player, have him sit behind a, a veteran, and then he did go to uh, the Bills. But the thing was was that he had that time, and he's. Uh, injuries beside, he was very productive this year. Like I say, when before he was injured, uh, fantasy wise, I, b- I believe he was like top five quarterback. So that's something. Tony Romo retires this year, and RG three becomes a cowboy. Chris, thoughts? Um, you you can see it. Um, I I can see him there. You know, they, they, they like the flashiness players over there. I mean, that's why they still kept Des Bryant. Um, they can, how hard they are hit with salary cap with Des Bryant and with, um, you know, Greg Hardy and some of the other players they have there, you know, they could probably get them pretty cheap. So, I mean, won't, won't be bad there. I mean, Jerry Jones likes those type of players. So, yeah, I can, I can see one of the Cowboys. Well, see, and I would correct you. You said they. The correct answer is he likes flashy players. Of course, I'm referring to Jerry Jones. So, yeah, that that's why I think it makes sense. I'm just coming up with that from the hip while you guys talk. Of course, the correct answer actually is, in the name of continuing to, tort, uh, to taunt Kyle, the football fan, he'll end up a 49er, and they'll be irrelevant for the next three years as well. Moving on. Oh, speaking of the 49ers, Ravens and 49ers, Chris. The Niners picked up their second win of the season by knocking out the Baltimore Ravens 25-20. to I mean, we, we said how bad the Niners' secondary was as they gave up 343 yards passing to Joe Flacco. But they did come away with 10 interceptions on the day. The Niners improved to 2-4, and four, and the Ravens are tied with the worst record in the AFC at 1-5. Wow. With whom are they tied? Uh, Colin Kaepernick was 16-27, 340 yards and two touchdowns. Joe Flacco ended with 33 for 53 with the two touchdowns, but as I mentioned just a minute ago, he had two INTs. Now, bright note for the Ravens, Steve Smith was back in the lineup for his rib injury as he had seven catches for 137 yards with a touchdown. Kamar Aiken also had a touchdown catch for himself for the Ravens. Newly picked up cornerback Sharice Wright, who used to be a Niner until he requested a lease from them, uh, got beat bad by Torrey Smith on a 76-yard touchdown reception. Torrey Smith finished with 96 yards. Anquan Bolden had five catches for 102. Both of those players right there used to be a Raven. Uh, talking about bad secondary for the Niners, how bad is the linebacking core for the Ravens? As fullback Bruce Miller had three catches for 89 yards. One of them was a 52-yard catch as he just ran straight down the middle of the field. And everyone was like, oh, look, there goes the fullback. Bruce. That's some, that's some UCF alumni love right there. Thank you, Weasel. Bruce, well done. Well done. Yeah, both teams are bad in the red zone. The Ravens were 1 for 3. The Niners were 0 for 3. The difference was the turnovers as there was 2 for the Ravens and none for the Niners. Yeah, and also Quentin Patton recording his first uh, NFL touchdown, one of the touchdowns as well for the 49ers. I got to ask this, guys, and you just said it, in, in passing, first of all, I never thought I would hear the term 
the bad how bad is the Ravens linebacking core? That's not supposed to happen, and yet it has. <clears throat> but has anybody else noticed that for the past two weeks, Colin Kaepernick has had good passing numbers, and you haven't heard a word? Now, granted, I'm not saying the guy's a playoff quarterback, but, you know, maybe the fact that no news is good news is a good sign that there's a bounce back here. Being said, the Niners aren't going to win more than six games, but I'm just throwing that out there. I think it was uh, week one, uh, 49ers, they played the Vikings, right? That's correct. Now, he actually, Colin Kaepernick, he was looking really good that game. It looked like he he was making progress and stuff like that in the following weeks. And then... When he messes up, bam, the media gets on him, and then if you do good... Then uh, uh, they they ignore you. So yeah, and I'll admit that Cardinals game was pretty damn horrific. Let's let's not mince words there. But he did what he was supposed to do to win the game last week against the Giants. And no offense, Chris, but you agree they're one dropped interception away from winning that football game last Sunday night, right? Right. And then this performance against the Ravens, albeit with a far depleted defense, I don't know. I'm just throwing it out there. Well- it's it. I mean, this year what they're doing with him. I mean, minus the cards game, um, they're they're getting a short dump off. Like I said last week, they're nickel and diming it, you know, down the field, and then they they pick they pick and choose their long ball. Um, last year he was just trying to throw the ball long almost every time. That's what they were just doing. All right, we're just going to send the ball deep. Mm-hmm. This time they're setting it up with the run and the short dump offs. You know to. You know, there's a little five-yard out that they keep hitting. You know, they're rolling them out and having them dump it. And, you know, before it's more of, you know, last year they're like, oh, we need to protect him. We're going to just keep him in the pocket. Right. That's not really a strong suit, Um, how he was his, you know, first and second year he had. uh, You know, first receiver's out there, he's going to take off scrambling. And they're like, oh, we're going to try to keep him in the pocket and everything. But now they're trying to get the ball out of his hand quick because he, I mean, his lineup, he's the slowest quarterback to throw the ball is because his um delivery takes so long um most quarterbacks get the ball out of their you know out of their hands like you know two to four seconds and he, he's actually like right around like five seconds just because his throwing mecha- mechanics just takes longer than most quarterbacks so i mean with him with them doing these short passes it's actually helping him with the long ball as well because they're setting up the defense for it also, if you have a quarterback with a slow release and you're keeping him in the pocket, not a good plan because then he can't buy the time. So there's that too. Excellent stuff there. Loving it. So, yeah, something something else that everyone else is amazed by when it comes to excellent stuff, the performance of the Cincinnati Bengals this season. They are officially 6-0, franchise's best start, as they beat the Buffalo Bills. Now, I'm not saying this is an impressive win, as Tyrod Taylor did not take the field starting, it was indeed E.J. Manuel. He went 28 for 42 with 263 yards, a touchdown, and an interception. Not so much a bad game, but so also did we see LaShawn McCoy, a.k.a. Shady, 17 for 90 on the ground with a touchdown. Did do uh, a decent job in his return, but the Bengals' running game was strong. I have to do it as a group because Jeremy Hill and Giovanni Bernard both did <laughs> did good jobs. Uh respectively 28 for 112 on the day was the Bengals running core Giovanni Bernard with a touchdown but hey whenever we talk Andy Dalton I have to remind Weasel that he if this isn't a playoff game <laughs> see I beat you to it right yeah you got it <laughs> this isn't a playoff game and he did well 22 for 33 243 yards and three touchdowns for Andy Dalton I simply put a balanced offense 
versus one that, I mean, I don't feel like they did bad, but uh, the Bengals were on all the cylinders, as the kids say, and just missing too many players. Sammy Watkins did have a touchdown for the Bills, but the top receiver being Charles Clay, not a good sign for the Bills offense. I don't feel like E.J. Manuel did bad, but they certainly did better with Tyrod Taylor. So, anyways, let's go ahead and let's get a break in, gentlemen. You are listening to NGSC Sports. You're listening to NGSC Sports Radio. Hear us live on NGSCSports.com, where you can get awesome analysis for all things sport. Or check out our podcasts on iHeartRadio, Spreaker, iTunes, TuneIn, and much more. For our latest videos, head to NGSC Sports' YouTube channel. Follow us on Twitter at NGSC Sports and like us on Facebook. NGSC Sports. We never stop. There's one there's one for the old people. I know this is a cover, but I don't know. Chris, you know who this is, right? Yes, I do. So, Weasel? Nope. That's okay. It's not hip-hop. I feel you. Weasel, Weasel! Yeah, boy. But tell the people who it is, Chris. Or, or you cannot do that <laughs> if that's what you don't want to do. You don't want to tell the people it's Aerosmith? I was thinking that. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe Chris is on mute. I don't know. But that's okay. Well, I'm, I'm here. What? Oh. Well, fine. Yeah, that's yeah, that the Beatles. No, no. That was Aerosmith covering the Beatles. So close. Yeah, right. So close. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, you know what else was so close? The Chiefs and the Vikings. Weasel. The Chiefs lost a road game against the Vikings 16-10 to last week. Chiefs running back Jamal Charles. Charles, no. He uh, tore his ACL and was untouched on the play. Charles, uh, no. He's out for the season, so that stinks. Charles, Not no. only for the Chiefs, but for the NFL. Cor- agreed. So the first touchdown of the game was late in the second quarter by the Vikings. Teddy Bridgewater for the Vikings uh, threw one to, ta- to uh, Kyle Rudolph. He's kind of a pretty much for fantasy. It's like he, he'll get like one or two points, but once he gets a touchdown... Uh, like eight points, nine points. But the thing is, is receptions, he doesn't get enough at all. Rudolph, the hard-nosed tight end. Don't you dare hate. Hey, it's not it's not hating. It's, I'm just saying that uh, Rudolph's pretty talented. It's just that getting two to three catches a game is like... Uh, hey, we don't talk fantasy on this show. <laughs> well, uh, Bridgewater finished uh, 17 of 31, 249 yards. One touchdown, but did have two INTs. Uh, running back Adrian Peterson, relatively quiet. With 26 attempts for only 60 yards. Got yep. him. Yeah, well, <laughs> up uh, 13 to zip late in the third quarter. The Vikings defense stops the, stop the Chiefs on a fourth and one at the six-yard line to keep the Chiefs scoreless. Big play there early in the fourth quarter. Vikings up 13 to three once again. Uh, Bridgewater overthrew wide receiver Mike Wallace, and it was intercepted. No! Uh, Vikings rookie wide receiver uh, Stefan Diggs. Stefan Diggs. It was uh he had seven catches for 129 yards, and uh, I, th- I read a stat. I think it was a uh, he had 
I think it was three or four catches for over 20 yards in, the, in this one game. Uh, so far, I think Mike Wallace has, like, I think, one, maybe two. Uh, Mid-fourth quarter, Chiefs wide receiver Albert Wilson. Albert Wilson. He took a screen pass 42 yards for a touchdown to bring the score uh, to 13-10 Vikings. Uh, Alex Smith finished 22-37, 282 yards, and a touchdown. One of the the Chiefs running backs looking to make uh, to claim the starting spot is Church Hendrick. <laughs> is C-West. Hendrick. West. When the Chiefs were driving with 434 remaining in the game, West fumbled. And it was recovered by the Vikings. You go to three minutes remaining, one Teddy Bridgewater went deep going for Mike Wallace. Tipped, intercepted. I see a theme. Yeah. So the Chiefs on a fourth and ten out of their own 32-yard line, unable to convert on a deep pass. So Bridgewater, I think everybody, if you read the articles, NFL.com, ESPN, everybody's saying he's the breakout player for uh, second year. He should have a breakout year. Play awesome. He was talk- uh, Bridgewater was talking how he's going to work on, he's going to try to get the 70% at least uh, percentage. And uh, what are your thoughts on this year? Because uh, it's kind of looking like a kind of more like a game manager, but uh, um, not really cutting it so far. But well, and 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 I like what you said there. First of all, and, and I I have a video that says this specifically on the sports symposium. You guys have both seen it. We we use the term game manager almost like it's a, it's a it's a <clears throat> slur against quarterbacks, and that just shouldn't be. Okay, you shouldn't hate on 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 Joe Flacco because he's a game manager. You should hate on Joe Flacco because he manages games poorly. You shouldn't hate on Russell Wilson because he's a game manager. You should hate on Russell Wilson because he's a game manager that can't win the games when he's asked to. Okay, somebody, and I mean you, Mike Zimmer, coach of the Vikings, needs to stop long shots down the field with Mike uh, Wallace. Yeah, I get it. You have this expensive weapon, and he's supposed to go down the field and all this stuff. But there's a guy who's going to be a Hall of Famer as a game manager, but no one sees him as well because he's effective. And I mean Tom Brady. I said it! <clears throat> I said it. The whole thing with yeah, Mike Wallace, I agree with. Uh, um, it's just going downfield with him, it's like uh, um, you go into the game with the mindset uh, – we want to throw the deep ball to Mike Wallace, stuff right. like that. Right. And uh, it's the thing was, was especially on the, I think the second interception that Bridgewater had, he threw it up there for Mike Wallace to get, but that's not the kind of pass you get to him. Right. He needs to. He he's like you know the speed demon type thing. It's a timing route. You and uh, yeah, you have to pretty much you launch it to him, you know, overthrow and uh, for only just Sean can get to it, only for a. Uh, Mike Wallace to get. It's just the problem is, is that it's turning into at times jump balls, and which means they're forcing it. Kind of, yeah, kind of forcing it, and that's not how he gets his touchdowns. Because Big Ben was one of the best. Big Ben, he was he launched passes to him all all those seasons. He's still my, one of the best. Yeah. Well, uh, Mike Wallace, uh, not the best. Like I'm saying. I see what you did so, there. But, no, but Big Ben would would launch him, and the thing was. Only Mike Wallace is the only one that gets it. He, the only one that can catch it. It's just he can't throw up jump balls with him. So uh, maybe it's that's part of it's Bridgewater's. Go ahead. No, that's because Big Ben can throw the ball deep and Teddy Bridgewater can't. I mean, that's yeah. one of his knocks I'm on the saying that profile. since his college time. He cannot throw the deep ball. He's good at short, medium passes. He's good at throwing the ball down the middle. 
like middle medium length passes down the middle. He has some zip on it. It's just when he tries to throw the ball deep, he puts too much air under it. And um, big bang throw the ball deep. That is why I believe that one rookie wide receiver, Stefan Diggs. Stefan Diggs. He was he was I think he made it was three to four catches over twenty yards, and it was it was like a kind of an intermediate kind of pass. Not it was not a bomb, but it was still it traveled about you know fifteen twenty yards type of things, and he got him seven seven times and uh, one hundred twenty nine yards. So boom. So it's just yeah the forcing it kind of thing. Uh, one uh, Sammy Watkins would want that. He uh, complains to the media about it, but. Um, it's just, I think Mike Wallace needs to, you know, cut it down the, uh, the length of the routes, but you got to surprise him sometime. Oh yeah. Uh, well, and that's what the point of game management is. It's not like you have, you know, an all time great running back in your, in your backfield. Oh, wait, see what I did there. Yeah. I so. thought you might. So anyways, so. uh, credit to the Vikings defense though. In that game three for 12 were the chiefs on third down. So, you know. There's that. Chargers, Packers. Chris, I believe this is you. Yeah, two pass-happy offenses. Um, in two pass-happy offenses, you would guess that you would never guess that Philip Rivers would throw for almost twice as many yards as Aaron Rodgers and still lose as the Packers defense held on to a 27-20 victory to go 6-0 and into their bye week. The Chargers fall to two and four as they dropped another heartbreaker at the end of the game. With the score twenty seven to twenty, Philip Rivers marched his team down the field and on a fourth and goal he would try to hit Danny Woodhead in the flat, but the pass would be a little late and rookie cornerback Darius Randall made a break on the ball and batted away to seal the victory for the Packers. The Chargers drive was without NFL leading reception leader Keenan Allen and without rookie running back Melvin Gordon, who both were injured in the game. They mentioned Rivers, he had a career day and set a franchise record with 43 completions on 65 attempts and 503 yards passing. He also had two touchdowns. His 43 completions were most given up by the Packers at home and most completions in NFL history in a loss. Aaron Rodgers was 16 for 29 for 255 yards and two touchdowns. Neither QB turned the ball over. On the ground... On the ground, James Starks was 10, 10 carries for 112 yards with a touchdown. The touchdown came on a 65-yard cutback run. Starks would also have a touchdown catch. Before Keenan Allen left the game, he had 14 catches for 157 yards. Um, they say he has like a hit pointer. He's day-to-day. It's not too serious, but they're, not, they're uncertain for his um, – he's going to play next week. Um, Malcolm Floyd and Antonio Gates both had 95 yards receiving. And tight end Ladarius Green and wide receiver Dontrell Inman both had a touchdown catch for the Chargers. For the Packers, Jeff Janis had 79 yards receiving, and James Jones had a touchdown catch. This is his fifth game this year with at least one touchdown. I was about to say, you better say another touchdown catch. (laughs) Right. The the Chargers outplayed the Packers. They just fell short. Um, Melvin Gordon did fumble the ball. Um, that led to the Packers. It did not lead to any points for the Packers, so it wasn't really much of an outcome because the Packers punted on that one. But the Chargers were two and six in the red zone. The Packers are two and four. 
And then the Chargers had 16 more minutes of possession. You just had too little too late at the end of the game. Right. Well, I mean, you know, we talk so much about red zone percentage on this show. And two for six in a seven-point loss, I think it's a factor. Just a little bit, you know. And and I'll say this. While the, 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 the Packers as a team didn't look as impressive as they normally do, it's games like this where, you know, Rodgers doesn't necessarily go out and put up the 300 yards you expect. So you don't really have Jacob Lacey. He doesn't look like he's at full strength yet. Um, but then Starks comes in, breaks 100 yards for you on 10 carries, and, oh, by the way, catches a pass for a touchdown as well. Then the defense comes up, makes that big play late to prevent Antonio Gates from scoring. I, I, I mean, this is the kind of stuff... Super Bowl contending teams do. And for people who want to try to tell me that the Packers aren't the best team in the NFC, put the pipe down. Weasel. Got a serious question here. All right. So you got one, Eddie Lacy for Eddie the Packers. Lacy. Running back. And you have one, James Starks. Uh, backup running back for the Packers. Correct. Now, uh, Lacy for many, and uh, he was a first-round pick. Okay. For, by many in fantasy football. Okay. I mean, does it sound right, or uh, do you think it would be stupid to possibly drop Lacey in favor of Starks? No. Not yet. It's too early in the season to go that desperate, I think. Chris, what do you think? Yeah, you don't, you don't drop uh, Lacey because if someone else picks him up, um, it is early in the season. He's usually more of a mid-November to December running back. That's where he usually gets most of his yards when some of the defenses are banged up and they're just getting tired by the end of the season. That's where he most of his workload usually comes in in the last couple of years. Also having uh, games against the Lions, another game against the Bears, and I think the Vikings game still have yet to happen. Um, that will be a place where Lacey would get production too, uh, possibly. Uh, I could see your logic, and if uh, Lacey's injury were more severe, I would agree with you, but it's, it's too early in the season to make that move, I would think. If you have them both on your roster... I wouldn't make that move quite yet. They're still kind of handcuffed. And, and, and with that in mind, this is why you have a handcuffed player, is when a, a Lacey goes out, you put in a Starks, he gets them numbers because the Packers' offense is what it is. You know. Make sense? Yep. Boom. Doesn't sound like I haven't played <laughs> fantasy football in 10 years. You know. And of Literally. Course, somebody else. Oh, no, it's 11 years. You're right. My bad. But, uh... Speaking of somebody you haven't seen play in a long time, Michael Vick came in to replace one Ben Roethlisberger and has for the past three weeks done pretty well. And it was thought to be a foregone conclusion, even by me, that they would lose to the Arizona Cardinals. Now, while Vick didn't finish the game, boy was I wrong. The Steelers win 25-13. to Weasel, I am so sorry. I lost faith in your team. Oh, wait. I think you did, too. Well... <laughs> I'm sure you'll get to it, but let's say Vic was a little uh, less impressive uh, this week. So uh, well, okay. So they needed they kind of needed a, a jump start from from somebody else. That's that's not fair to put it that way. I get he was three for eight for six yards with five carries for 47 yards running, but that's because he got knocked out of the game. Uh, hamstring injury injury also uh, faced concussion protocol on one particular hit as well. So he was knocked out of the game by the Cards defense. Pretty good unit. In comes Oklahoma's Landry Jones, now in the third year of his career, been cultivated, but now blossomed into the quarterback 
that they need to win the game. In this case, 8 for 12 was Landry Jones, 168 yards with two touchdowns, including an 88-yard booyah to one Martavis Bryant. I like Martavis Bryant. He had two touchdowns on the day with six catches for 137 yards. Uh, the biggest stat here, folks, zero turnovers for the Steelers. Three turnovers again, two of them by Carson Palmer, 29 for 45. He did have 421 yards with a, tu- with a touchdown, but threw two interceptions. Another bit- bittersweet stat, John Brown, the receiver for the Cardinals, led the receiving 10 catches for 196 yards, also lost a fumble. For fantasy purposes, Larry Fitzgerald did have eight catches for 93 yards, and uh, Michael Floyd had a touchdown on the day. But guys, don't turn the bleeping ball over. Duh. <sighs> Anyways, so yeah, impressive win for the Steelers. We already kind of talked over the Steelers and how they should be competitive in the AFC. Um, so I won't bother with that. We'll head back to the NFC where it was the Bears and the Lions. Weasel. All right, so the NFL, they do not have any more winless teams this season as Lions at home defeated the Bears 37-34 to in overtime. Spoiler alert! Yeah. Uh, it was actually a pretty close game throughout. Lions first drive, you got quarterback Matthew Stafford through a 20-yard touchdown to veteran wide receiver Lance Moore, I believe formerly a Saint. Uh, Bears quarterback Jay Cutler was uh, uh, 26 of 41 for 353 yards and a touchdown. With one INT, um, the Bears did answer with a field goal, and they uh, it was Stafford throwing that touchdown, and uh, you had a run a goal line run by running back uh, Jeremy Langford. Jeremy Langford. Lions tied in Timothy Wright and an eight yard touchdown catch. So with uh, one minute remaining in the first half, kind of a open for discussion with this. Uh, the refs reversed an interception by the Bears to a touchdown by Lions wide receiver Golden. Tate, another another uh, controversy here involving Tate. Who is Golden Tate? Is that Tate I I I? I I I I. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Tate. <laughs> that was too many eyes though. Oh um, damn it. Tate crossed. Tate. Okay, got it. So what happened this play was uh, Tate crossed the goal line. I think he caught it at about the one two yard line, and he crossed the goal line with the ball in possession, but he was stripped by a a Bears player. So the refs. Um, they had to review it, and they reversed it because um, since he wasn't going to the ground, it was a touchdown. So, Well, uh, most importantly, before, before the ball came out, what happened? He crossed the goal line. He broke the plane. He broke the plane, but um, later on we'll, we'll expand upon that. So early third quarter, the Lions intercepted Cutler in the end zone for a touchback. Yeah, that doesn't happen uh, <laughs> too often. Mm. Uh, a Lions field goal extended the lead to 24-16. to uh, back from injury, you have Bears wide receiver Alshon Jeffrey. He had an 11-yard touchdown early in the third quarter to put the Bears down only one, 24-23. So uh, Jeffrey had eight catches for 147 yards and a touchdown. And Stafford, a desperate flip to a running back, was way off target. And uh, it was intercepted. And, uh, yeah, that's one of those uh, boneheaded plays. I believe we called it, when we saw that at Alehouse, Farvian in nature. Yeah, I would say that. Um, that led to a... Bears running back Matt Forte's two-yard touchdown run. He had 24 carries, 69 yards, All right. and a touchdown with a successful two-point conversion. With only 25 seconds remaining, Lions scored on a six-yard touchdown to Calvin Johnson Megatron. 
finished with six receptions, 166 yards, and that one touchdown. Bears didn't give up, though. Cutler threw deep passes of 25 yards and 24 yards and got a pass interference call against the Lions that set up Bears' Robbie Gold's 29-yard field goal, which was money, and it took the game to overtime. Did you just say that gold was money? Brilliant. Yeah, not bad. Brilliant. That worked out. <laughs> so in overtime, there were four punts exchanged by both teams with about four minutes remaining. Megatron took charge with a 57-yard catch all the way um, so that Lions kicker Matt Prater can nail a 27-yard field goal for the win. Uh, any any uh, comments uh, before the Golden Tate talk? I'll say this. This game is the reason why ties are instituted, because neither team deserved to win this football game. I'm just saying. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, imagine if fans had to sit through another uh, overtime. That would be... Wah, uh, wah. Well, then it would be soccer. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so the Golden Tate thing with the catch. Uh, Chris, do you want to feel that? No, I, I did not see that um, okay. catch by Golden Tate. I'm so, it up right now. Yeah, that's not a problem. So Golden Tate does a little spin in the end zone, breaks the plane, balls rip loose, yada, yada, yada. And the only thing the officials have for me, one D Dean Blandino... Accent on bland, because that explains his refereeing acumen. Says the only difference was the fact that he wasn't falling to the ground. Does anybody else on this panel not think that's some of the stupid stupid expletive deleted ever heard in a football context? It's it's just terrible, because... uh... The thing is, is once you get you get you establish possession, which he did at about the two yard line, and he was uh, spinning into the end zone. Once you cross that plane, and the game you had over. yeah you had a uh, you had your feet in uh, for going to the goal, goal line, established possession. But yeah, the whole thing, if you stumble to the ground, the refs then say, oh, he didn't complete possession, which is kind of completing possession is kind of stupid. Yes. So, um, but the refs. Uh, I think they did use that in their explanation that he wasn't going to the ground. And they don't see the stupid in this, right? I mean, nobody. Yeah. <sighs> so that was, it's the kind of play that, I mean, it's common sense says touchdown, cross plane, uh, move on. Well, but, why on earth would NFL officials use common sense? I'm just Well, saying. you got you, you to look at also, I mean, this is a scoring play, so it's reviewable. If they review everything upstairs anyway, so that's, like two or three refs that came up with this call. Well, they got it wrong first. Let's say if they didn't have that review, Chris, uh, they wouldn't have even even said it was a touchdown. They wouldn't have even taken the time to say, "Oh, it broke the plane, so it doesn't matter." You know, just an inconsistency with the refs. So, speaking of inconsistency, there's been a lot to say about the consistency of the Denver Broncos' offense, and once again, they had an inconsistent performance themselves. But no more than Josh McCown at quarterback for the Cleveland Browns as the Broncos sneak by in overtime, 26 for 23. Uh, Manning had 25 uh, completions of 48 attempts, 290 yards, and a touchdown. He threw three INTs, including a pick six. However, the pick six, not on him. Carlos Dansby simply dominated the football after it was dropped by the running back it was intended for. He takes it to the house. Rumors of Carlos Dansby's demise, apparently for the moment, overly exaggerated. I mean, heck, I'll give you credit for knocking the Broncos' offense with their performance so far this year. Heck, they were even 0-3 in the red zone in this game. 
Uh, on the ground, though, Ronnie Hillman himself had 20 carries for 111 yards, while the entire Browns running core went 33 for 109. Not a bad performance, but Ronnie Hillman obviously making a bigger impact and help keeping that offense balanced. <coughs> so later on in the game, in overtime, Manning threw an interception, but <laughs> the Broncos' defense got the ball back, and then he sets up the game-winning field goal. I mean, hey, we'll put it that way. That's just the life the Broncos team has been playing this year in this season. Uh, Demarius Thomas had 10 catches for 111 yards, while Emmanuel Sanders had four catches, 409 with a touchdown. Travis Benjamin had nine catches for the Browns for 117 yards. And their tight end, Byrich, continuing to perform, had two touchdowns on the day. Um, the most interesting story for me is yet another pick six by Hakeem Talib, a very key element in this defense, usually shutting down the top receiver, getting recep- uh, uh, interceptions. I think he has more than one pick six on the year. Guys, I'm going to float this question today. Hakeem Talib, is he a defensive player of the year candidate? Weasel. You definitely got to consider him. I mean, it's uh, uh, guys producing. So uh, I think it's a definite yes. I mean, I, I don't know anyone I would pick against him or over him, rather, at this point in time. Uh, Chris, what about you? Uh, yeah, he's a, he's a candidate. The only problem is with, with corners and everything like that, they're a little more harder to claim for defense players of the year because, I mean, realistically, they, they go by sacks and sack numbers all the time and tackles and everything like that. Um, you don't get too many pass deflections and everything and interceptions, um, game changers, because a lot of people don't see those stats. So well, that's it, candidate, Yeah, for him to win it, I'm not sure. I mean, this year, really, there's no players sticking out for sacks and the defense um, changing either. So that's, that's all I'm saying. Hey, look, just because the press doesn't pick them doesn't mean we aren't great football minds that will do better. The same thing that picked J.J. Watt as the MVP in trifecta on this show. Boom. What you gonna do, Weasel? I'd say there's a uh, there's a there's a uh, uh, on Yahoo. There's a writer as a uh, uh, Delton Delton. I kind of like he does a, a thing. It's called mostly NFL notes. And he just has various uh, various facts and quotes from right like, all the games. Keyboard, yeah. So um, one of them that I found pretty interesting is that Tavarius Thomas considered. I would say by many it was like a second round pick um, in fantasy, maybe third round. Uh, but he was supposed to be, you know, one of the top in the NFL. Right. I think he got paid like one too. Right. Targeted 75 times this season, one touchdown, and uh, and I think all through throughout the season he has he's having a, a bunch of drops. He and, has drops. He has some good yardage numbers though. I'll grant. And there's a also a C.J. Anderson. Uh, got that right? Oh, uh, you did. And uh, I had to ask because uh, the thing is, is uh, he's, he's been, been missing lately. He's been yeah. missing, but Ronnie Hillman, he's uh, uh picking it back up. So. Uh, with Manning, I think it's it's kind of he's has the kind of year that he, they're winning. But um, I never heard this before for a Broncos team. But uh, um, the defense is uh, mostly winning those games for him. Is that a Tim Tebow drop you just oh, made? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, and I think Tebow's work. Uh, I think his touchdown to interception ratio was about. I think uh, he had 12 touchdowns and six ints with with some rushing touchdowns also. But it's just a. Uh, I think uh, the help the. Some of the wide receivers aren't helping him, but um, I don't know. Maybe this could be Peyton's last year. Oh, I, I definitely think he's going to retire after this year. I'm sure we'll talk about it more. But, hey, Weasley, you know one stat Tim Tebow didn't get? 6-0. Moving on. 
<laughs> oh, what's his record though? As a starter in his second year, not six and zero. Oh. Mm-hmm. Just saying. Anyway, <laughs> the Panthers and the Seahawks. Look, I'm not gonna go through some pre- preamble. The Panthers went into Seattle and they won. I told you. I told you this was gonna happen. 27-23 were the Panthers. I said it. <laughs> Don't just smile at me, weasel. I said it. Anyways, um, see, when you laugh like that, I have to tell them you're laughing. It's radio, not TV, bro. (laughs) 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 I see what you did there. That was for you, radio audience, so you know Weasel's laughing. Uh, Speaking of something that was funny, Cam Newton, 20 for 36. He had 269 yards. (laughs) All right. Two touchdowns on the ground as well, in addition to a touchdown pass. Did throw two interceptions, but threw the game-winning touchdown to Greg Olson. When the Legion of Boom had a miscue and a miscommunication, leaving the tight end relatively wide open. Guys, I don't care what the defensive play call is. I'm not covering Funchess. After all, he had three drops in the game up to this point anyway. Why? Everybody, you should put the entire Legion of Boom on Greg Olson in the fourth quarter. Especially with under two minutes left. I'm just saying. Uh Uh-oh, I just dropped my notes. Anyways, I'll just go from my head. I believe... 18 for 30 was Russell Wilson. Uh, Didn't necessarily have a bad game all the way around, but again, predictable, always flowing to the outside. I think the one or two times he did step into the middle of the offensive line, which is allegedly the problem, he had a completion. Hit Jimmy Graham a lot. The leading receivers for both teams were the tight end, uh, and fantastic work all the way around uh, by the tight ends in that game. I'll give Jimmy Graham credit for finally emerging in a game. Maybe Pete Carroll figure out He's not a blocker. Of course, lacking a block at the tight end could be why Marshawn Lynch only went 17 for 54. This was a lot with my notes. I'm just rocking it. Hey, I'm excited for me. This is is what I do. I don't know. But, you know, I I got asked uh, by a good friend of the show, uh, EJ Christian, you know, I was texting with him about this game. And he's like, well, what's Marshawn Lynch's excuse? I mean, I think he's finally starting to crumble after carrying this team for as long as he has. I think it's just that simple. So injuries catching up kind of thing. I mean, the dude's 30 now, you know, the dude's 30 had two consecutive Super Bowl seasons. And his injury one more time. Um, and his latest thing is the, the hamstring the hamstring. So, you know. I would think that I think, uh, it was Harns, uh, the, uh, the backup running back, Thomas Rawls, Rawls. That's it right there. I think they should have, they should have went to him. And they eased one Marshawn Lynch back because well they kind of did they they held him out two more weeks. Oh, they so, held him out. I'm I'm talking for this game. Well, I don't know. This is a tough one to hold out. I mean, you're playing the undefeated Panthers. You know, as much as we knock teams for missing on the red zone uh, uh, percentage, one came through and it won the game for them. Three the for three were the Carolina Panthers. One for three were the Seattle Seahawks. The question I pose to you, gentlemen. Are the Carolina Panthers the most physical team in the NFL today? Chris. Um, I Yeah, I say so because I mean their their defense plays pretty well. Um play plays up on you and everything, and then the defense with Cam Newton, he's not afraid to lay a hit. Um, so yeah, they're probably one of the most physical teams. Weasel. I agree with Chris. I didn't say one of. I said the most. The uh, most. Well, the most. I can't. I can't really say the most. But uh, well, who I'm, do you put ahead? I would. Well, 
You should have known that was coming. Yeah, I kind of should have kind of knew that. <laughs> but from what I'm saying is, is I would I would definitely put them top five, but top three. Otherwise, I would say maybe like a, a Broncos team could maybe be uh, uh, be mentioned in this conversation. Really? Yeah. But but the Bron- Broncos, their offense is more finesse than punch punch in the face type team. Mm-hmm. I'm with Chris on that. You see where I'm coming from now. Though. Oh, yeah. Not not to be homer, but I mean how the Jets defense is and how they run the ball with Chris Ivory and then you know with Brandon Marshall as a receiver, they're they're pretty up there too. Look at this guy, Ryan Fitzpatrick runs one twenty four yard touchdown in on the Redskins and now they're a tough team. I'm kidding, I'm kidding, Chris. Yeah, I ain't paying anything about Ryan Fitzpatrick. I said Brandon Marshall and I said Chris Ivory. I'm so confused. <laughs> and they also got one Bilal Powell still there. Bilal Powell. I'm gonna say his name again because it's fun. Bilal Powell. You know something else we're going to do again because it's fun? The dang study hall. Oh, yeah. Doing it because it's fun. What a se- I-, I think that's a good segue. There's a lot of jokes that could probably be made by that statement, but I'll leave that alone. This is a family show. All right, Chris, where were we at stat-wise, or do you have that in front of you? All right, yes, I do. Um, we have a new leader this week. Because um, Weasel went six and seven last week, <laughs> wow. and me and you were You're both welcome. nine and four, so <laughs> I am fifty thirty one on the year. Just, just letting y'all catch up. Just letting y'all catch up. I <laughs> warned you. I was creeping up. I'm creeping up. Kyle, Kyle, and Kyle's one game back from Weasel. I'm creeping up. <laughs> oh, well, that means you go first this hey, week. Well, you you could be actually. Guess could be tied after tonight. Oh, wait. Who did I pick? You picked the Giants. You picked the Eagles. I'm creeping up! Come on, Chip Kelly. Fail for me, please. You know what? This is going to be reverse Ron Rivera. He's going to do great, and I'm going to have to blame him for it. Anyways, enough about that. Let me continue to creep up. Drop the schedule, Chris. All right. We have Thursday night. We got the Seahawks at the Niners. This game should have been a no-brainer, but it's a little tougher than you think how bad the Seahawks are lately. Um, Niners have been decent. Uh, Seahawks defense isn't all that great either without Dan Quinn calling the plays. Their defense is just all over the place. But, you know, I don't, I don't know who to pick. I'm, I'm just going to go Seahawks. I'm going to go with preseason that the Seahawks sweeping the Niners this, this year. Weasel. I think that, yeah, the safe pick is, uh, is the Seahawks, so. Yeah, that, that's the correct answer. The safe pick is the Seahawks. The, de- the Seahawks defense is bad. Chris, no, um... I'm glad no one heard you say that in the fire station. You might have an HR issue because they think you're on some sort of drugs. Do it. That defense is the reason why they're close in that game. Do it. Do it. Do it. Who are you picking? Shut up. (laughs) I'm trying to stall. You can tell. Honestly, Chris is right. This is the toughest game to pick, but I, I just can't go homer. I don't believe in that secondary well enough. I think that Jimmy Graham will perform because that secondary is that bad, and the O line will fall prone to the Seattle front. No matter how bad you think the Legion of Boom is, that front will take care of business. I, too, have the Seahawks. There, you happy now? All right, there you go. Next. All right, next you got the Bills at the Jags. Um, Sunday morning over in London, um, the Bills are going to be without Tammy Watkins, well, no, Percy Harvin, and um, even tackle Kyle Williams, I believe it is. Carlos Williams. Um, no, no, they're not going to make the run. Um, okay. The Jags, you don't know how, how well they've been doing lately. Um, neither are the Bills either. 
I'm going to go Bill. Jags need to win my respect back. Weasel. That's a tempting name to pick the, the Jags, but... Eh, why not? I got the Jags. Yeah, I do. Their, their offense is... Uh, I think it, the passing offense is coming around, so I got the Jags. The passing offense is coming around as it posts multiple three-interception games. Sorry, Weasel, can't share in your optimism. I believe they'll still be without TJ Yeldon, and even if they're not, even without Kyle Williams, that defensive line is atrocious, atrociously good. Marcel Darius. Marcel Darius. Boom. Um, yeah, I got the Bills. Creeping up. Hmm. All right, next you got the Bucks at the Skins. You get the Bucks coming off a bye. Um, you get the Skins. You don't know what's going on there. But it is the Bucks. I'm going to go to Skins on this one. <laughs> Weasel. <sighs> Bucks, Skins. Well, I'm going to go with the uh, the Bucks in the upset. Well, it's not really an upset, but Bucks. yeah, both these teams suck. <laughs> there, there are no, there is no upset here. Jay Gruden faces off against his brother's former team. You're asking me to believe in either Kirk Cousins or the Bucks. This is a lose-lose proposition here. Uh, screw it, up, Bucks. Fine. Next. <laughs> I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. What's the next game, next, Chris? You get, you get the Falcons at the Titans. Um, Anybody? Yeah, I got, I got the Falcons. Okay, let's go. Mario does, he's out pretty much. And, oh, uh, yeah, and it's Medberger. So, Boom. It, against the Falcons? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, Falcons. What do you mean? He could totally win that shootout versus Julio Jones and Matt Ryan. <laughs> it's because he's a jewel. I'm not making fun of you, Weasel. Or maybe I am. I don't know. Next game. Next, you got the Saints at the Colts after that um, fake punt that Pagano called the other day. Uh, he's going to be more conservative in this game, um, and the Colts are going to get a couple defensive players back. I'm, I'm going to go with Colts. I agree with going with the Colts. Uh, if they wanted to win, they, they should have started Hasselbeck, but I guess oh, I guess uh, I guess Andrew Luck did okay that game, so I'll go for the Colts. I'm glad it's radio and not TV. Because all I have to do now is me throwing something at you to make a sound. What are you thinking? <laughs> See, now, before I'd have to actually do it, it would be awkward in a video setting. But anyways, <laughs> hassle back. Stop it! <laughs> I'm a cop, you idiot. I'm Detective John Kemp now. Uh, I, <laughs> I, 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 I would pick the Colts, but I can't because their defense is bad. Yeah, I got the Col- I, I got no, I got the Colts. What am I thinking? The Saints' defense is worse. Moving on. All right, next you get the Lion- You get the Vikings at the Lions. Um, I think it was a fluke last week with the Lions winning against the Bears. <laughs> um, it was the Bears? I'm, I'm going Vikings on this. one. Yeah, definitely got the Vikings this one. Fine, Homer. Okay, so the Vikings take the field. And lose the game on the strength of Teddy Bridgewater throwing three interceptions. No, I don't even believe that. Three interceptions because they're trying to force it to Mike Wallace. And even if that happens, the Vikings defense will clean up. Clean up. I'm not worried about it. Adrian Peterson does what he does again against the Lions. I have the Vikings. Next. You got the Steelers at the Chiefs. Anybody? Um, even, even though you know they're not sure if Big Ben will be back this week or not, even with... Um, Landry Jones, Steelers just have too much for the Chiefs. 
Chiefs don't have any offense, so I'm going Steelers. I'm Steelers. Okay, come on. <laughs> How bad, Alex Smith, are you when we're this confident in Landry Jones? It's not that Alex Smith is bad. I think it's Jamal Charles. Let's be real. They miss him. The Steelers, well, they won't. Boom. Next, you get the Browns at the Rams. Um, it's the Browns at the Rams. Yeah, kind of a, kind of a, actually a little bit tough this one. This is closer than you would think. So, but I'll take the Browns. I have to think about it, but I'm going Rams for one reason. Todd Gurley. Boom. All right, next, next we got Texans at the Finns. It might be a little tougher, but, I mean, if the Dolphins defense can play like they did this, this week against Brian Hoyer, and follow up Arian Foster. They'll win the game. So I'm, I'm going to go Dolphins. Where is it? Uh, Dolphins first. Uh, you Texans. Say Texans. Uh, Dolphins, it looks like they're kind of getting their crap together. So I'll pick Dolphins. Yeah, welcome to the bandwagon, punks. I said this last week. How can I not say it again? Sure, they're playing against J.J. Watt, my boy. But if you can't score points, you can't win football games. I, too, have the Dolphins in the trifecta. You have an AFC East rivalry. You got the Jets at the Patriots. Um, this game can be a little tougher than some people would have originally would have imagined at the beginning of the season how well the Jets have been playing. Um, you know, but it is the Patriots and Gronkowski, so I'm going to go with the Patriots. Weasel. I like the corners, uh, corners chances for the Jets. Uh, so. Revis and Cromartie, good point. Yeah. So, uh, I am going to go with the Jets because their offense, uh, wow. one, one, I believe it's Chris Ivory. He's actually having a pretty darn good season. That's so, true. Um, I will pick the Jets. Weasel, I, I know this will be a closer game, and I will give you props. I admire you for being that brave. But my response is this. I'm creeping up. I got the Patriots. Next, you get the Raiders at the Chargers. Char- Chargers, you know, how well they played against the Packers. I think that'll carry over this week, even with or without Keenan Allen. Um, Keenan Allen hit pointer. He should be back as long as he can just nurse that a little bit. But I'm going to go Chargers. Weasel. Okay. I think the Chargers last game, uh, you had uh, one. Phillip Rivers, 500 yards. Uh, well, they were two for two on field goals, but two of six in the red zone. Yep. So that's not a uh, – that makes it a little shaky, but – I'll I'll uh, pick the Chargers. Yeah, it, it's hard for me. I mean, the the Ra- Raiders defense just has not been impressive against the air game. Um, and if there's one thing that there is only one thing the Chargers can do right, and that's pass the football. I have the Chargers, Chris. All right. Uh, next, you got the Cowboys at the Giants. Uh, you can call me a homer on this one. I'm going Giants because of Matt Cassell. It'll be starting for the Cowboys. And Giants gonna be a little mad that they let the, you know, the Cowboys did outplay them, but they still had the lead going in the fourth quarter and still blew it in week one. So I'm going to go Giants. Weasel. Maybe think about picking the Cowboys if Des was back, uh, Des Bryant, but um, I will go with the Giants. But he is not. <laughs> I got the Giants. <laughs> Next, you got the Eagles at the Panthers. I'm going Panthers. Eagles, Panthers. Let's see. Uh, yeah, I think uh, Panthers uh, defense, and I believe they're still undefeated, so I'll go with the uh, Panthers. I'll say this. When it comes to this game, here's something I find to be true. It's a trap. It's a trap. 
I'm trying to tell you that's a trap game written all over it. Yet that being said, I believe in Cam Newton more than I do Sam Bradford. I got the Panthers. All right, and then Monday night you got the Ravens at the Cards. Anybody? Um, anybody? Yeah, no, I was gonna say how bad the Cardinals played the other day. Like I said, the other week that they lost, they're gonna they're gonna give me another blowout. I'll get the Cardinals. Oh, okay. I was about to say you're not you're not about to pick 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 Flacco here, are you? I because I just don't know if I can handle that much laughing in one breath. I don't know, Weasel. Huh? I'll give props to Steve Smith. He came back. I believe he had a couple broken ribs. And Correct. Yeah, that went like something like 129 yards or something along that. So I'll give him credit. But he's going up against a little better defense in the Cardinals. And uh, so I will pick the cards. Yeah, uh, I mean, look, Steve Smith is a Hall of Fame caliber receiver. It's just that simple. I mean, he had the ribs, and then he came out going 7 for 137 with a touchdown. Although he did push off on that touchdown, I'm just saying. But, yeah, no, he had a fantastic game. I mean, he's a player. What do you want me to tell you? At day's end, it's the Cardinals. Duh. <laughs> uh, so what are we looking at, Chris? How many how many games different here are we looking at here? We have anything that could move the move the chains here a little bit? I mean, we're a lot closer together now that I'm creeping up. One. Me and you have just one different, but you and Weasel have um, one Two, two games it, different. Watch it be, yeah, it's an even number, so we'll cancel out again. Damn it. Whatever, I'm creeping up. Shut <laughs> up. Anyway, <laughs> Weasel was right when he said earlier on, it is a long season. That is obviously true. But we're at that point where the show is now officially done. Until next week, of course, you can check us out on the website, www.ngscsports.com. On Twitter, find my man Weasel Wish. Yeah, boy. Weasel, the SOTG on Twitter. Of course, Chris Rankin is at Hydraulic Upright, U-P-R-I-T-E, to spell upright. And, of course, I am the student of the game. You can find me on Twitter at the SOTG. Check out also the NGSC Sports YouTube page. You can check out the Sports Symposium. Haven't gotten a new video up yet, but one is in the works. So rest assured on that. But hey, hit the classics. Figure out that whole game manager thing I was talking about. Trust me, it's a smart episode. Anyway, until next time, everybody. Class dismissed. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.